Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Thomas Schultz alongside Brad Klein all the way up until the 10 o'clock hour on this weird bye week for Syracuse. But we don't even need to talk football. There's really not a whole lot to talk about there anyway. Instead, Brad, I want to talk about kind of some bad news for Syracuse recently. Dior Johnson decommitting this week, of course. Number five player in the 2022 class, top point guard in the class. Best commitment since Carmelo Anthony. And I think this is detrimental to Syracuse's momentum on the recruiting trail, obviously. That's without saying. But at the same time, I think there is some silver linings that apparently was a mutual parting. Now we can talk about how mutual that really might have been. But it seems like this is something where Syracuse says, all right, yes, we're losing a very talented player, but we may also be losing kind of a headache at the same time. Yeah, but I mean, come on, Dior Johnson was about to be the most highly rated recruit for Syracuse since Carmelo Anthony in 2002, Thomas. You know, to me, this is no silver lining. You know, losing a guy like Dior Johnson, there's no positive to it, okay? Losing Dior Johnson, first of all, seemed inevitable because a lot of people, myself included, had their doubts as to whether or not Dior Johnson, as good of a recruit as he was, would he actually play for Syracuse? Why was he recru- was he going to Syracuse? Is it too good to be true? And it turns out it was. This is the thunderstorm that was in the forecast for months, and it's finally here. And I know all the fans, they didn't want to believe it. They didn't want the Debbie Downers, if you will, to say, is he really ever going to come? And it seems like, at least right now, you know, he says they're still one of my top schools. We'll see what happens, but yeah, okay. it, it, seems, it seems unlikely. And we'll get into a little bit about where he might actually go in our next block. But for now, Brad, I want to focus on what does this mean for Syracuse recruiting? Because I think the biggest name that you got to think of right now is four-star guard, number 27 rated recruit in the 2022 class, Chance Westry. And, you know, you lose the number five player in the class. It seems a whole lot less likely that Westry is going to come to Syracuse now. Yeah, I mean, Chance Westry, the, the crystal ball predictions still have him going to Syracuse. But I have my doubts because that crystal ball prediction from 247 Sports, they kind of have Westry joining Syracuse in tandem with D.R. Johnson. I, I get it. At the same time, I'm more concerned about other recruits. And w- whether Chance Westry comes to Syracuse or not, I-, I don't know. I think there are other schools on his list that make a lot of sense. You have Florida. You have Maryland, for example. Georgetown is also one of the finalists, which, by the way, for uh, two teams that are no longer in the same conference, they seem to be they seem to be uh, battling for very similar recruits very often. But I'm more concerned about a guy like Zion Cruz, who never actually was rumored to be leaning more towards Syracuse than other schools. But Cruz is one of those guys that was apparently one of the Dior Johnson recruits. When Johnson committed to Syracuse, he not only said, "Hey guys, I'm coming to the hill," but he also says. I'm bringing guys with me, and one of them was supposed to be Zion Cruz. Now, that kind of fell apart when Dior Johnson dropped out of the school that he was supposed to play at with Cruz, but at the same time, losing Dior Johnson is about more than just losing Dior Johnson. 
Thomas Schultz joined alongside Brad Klein, and we're talking Dior Johnson now. We'll talk a little bit more Dior Johnson later before we welcome in a special guest, Donna DeTota from Syracuse.com, to break down a preview, basically, of the basketball season as well as Dior Johnson. But, uh, Brad, I think you make some good points. Zion Cruz is one of those guys where you're thinking, all right, he's a five-star 2022 uh, player, 6'5". This is a guy who, you know, he's he's a premier recruit that Syracuse hasn't gotten somebody of his caliber recently. I, I It seems like, you know, you can kind of kiss Zion Cruz goodbye, and I don't know how likely it was going to be that he was going to come to Syracuse anyways, but I think, you know, it's not going to happen. Now, one guy that I think is really important to keep an eye on is J.J. Starling, a yeah. six foot two point guard, of course, maybe with Dior Johnson coming into the orange. He wasn't going to come here, but this is a number 53 player in the country in the 2022 class, and most importantly, he's from Baldwinsville. So if you're Syracuse, you miss out on J.J. Starling. That is a inexcusable miss. You know, it's funny because... it. I'm about to say something that, in the eyes of Syracuse fans, sounds like Dior Johnson still coming to Syracuse. But doesn't J.J. Starling sound like like a bitter consolation prize? Like, at this point, you just had Dior Johnson, you just lost him, and now you have to settle for J.J. Starling, which, again, sounds ridiculous because he's a top 60 player in his class, he's a four-star recruit, he's a local guy, and he should be a good player if Syracuse lands him, but to land J.J. Starling rather than Dior Johnson, it just seems like a tough sell for Syracuse fans. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that you should be more thrilled with J.J. Starling than Dior Johnson. Of course, like you said, Brad, J.J. Starling's a very good player in his own right. It's just you're going from a really good player in, in losing a elite talent, a guy that was the best recruit in Syracuse history since Carmelo Anthony and Dior Johnson. And... Look, I mean, J.J. Starling obviously could have this fantastic career. We'll have to wait and see. But Syracuse, this is kind of where they get a lot of guys, right? They get a lot of these 50 to 60 range uh, guys. Jalen Carey was one of them. He might have been even a little bit higher. Bryson Goodine was another. So J.J. Starling's a really good player. But this look, this class still has a lot of opportunity to be really good. But you're not going to be maybe that top three, top five class caliber that you could have been with Dior Johnson in the fold. And that's nothing but disappointment for Syracuse fans. It'll be interesting because he has five schools listed on his 24-7 profile. You have Siena, which I can't imagine would land Starling over Syracuse. St. John's, Alabama, and Duke. And then you have Syracuse. The only school among those that has not offered Starling is Duke. So, in my opinion, just objectively, it looks like Syracuse should be the front runner. Again, he's a local kid from Baldwinsville, and it looked like he was going to Syracuse until J.J. Star, or rather, Dior Johnson said, hey, I'm coming to Syracuse. So, I, I, it makes sense. And eventually, I feel like Syracuse fans will grow accustomed to it, and eventually, they'll welcome him with open arms. But again, that is a small consolation prize for Syracuse fans. I don't know how willing they're going to be to accept it. And Starling, again, does not come with the recruiting power that Dior Johnson does. And the other thing about Johnson, and we talk about what this means for the 2022 class, let's, that's a micro level, Thomas. What does this mean for the program on a macro level? Because Johnson had a chance. He had the talent to completely revolutionize this program to make Syracuse a destination for more than just inevitably the one year that he was on the hill for. Because let's say Dior Johnson came to Syracuse 
and he made a deep tournament run with them because he's a really good player, and that's what really good players do. All of a sudden, Syracuse is back to the national prominence that a lot of fans grew accustomed to years ago. And I don't think J.J. Starling has the ability to do that on his own. No, I don't either. And I mean, this is obviously very bitter for Syracuse fans right now. You had this happen a couple years ago with Darius Baisley as well. Another, I think he was a five-star talent too. So this is, unfortunately for SU fans, not a new occurrence. But like you said, Brad, Dior Johnson is a guy who maybe gives you the opportunity to bring in some more highly rated recruits. And we'll get into a little bit more about his options coming up in the next block. Thomas Schultz joined alongside Brad Klein here on Fizz Radio all the way up until 10 a.m. today. But there's a, there's a comparison I want to make here. And it might sound a little bit ridiculous, Brad. And it's obviously very different because one guy was a college football coach coming in and just starting to develop his program. Another guy is the guy who's been in Syracuse for 40-some-odd years, right? Dior Johnson could have been Jim Beheim's Julio Jones to Nick Saban. Julio Jones was a guy, five-star, first five-star, who really propelled Nick Saban to become, to build the program that he has today. Now, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not saying, obviously, that Syracuse was going to be Alabama. They weren't. But you bring in Dior Johnson, even if he's only here a year, that makes fans and recruits say, all right, Jim Beheim can still coach. He can still recruit. And maybe you start to bring in more guys, more upper-level talent that we really haven't seen since the turn of the decade. You know, Michael Carter-Williams, maybe C.J. Fair. But since then, we haven't seen players of Dior Johnson caliber. We haven't seen players of Dior Johnson caliber since Carmelo Anthony. So this was a prime opportunity. And I don't think it's fair to say Syracuse missed. But I think it, it was just squandered because of, of, of accumulation of multiple things. Yeah, and, and that, that was, again, that was Dior Johnson's potential footprint on Syracuse basketball, and instead, he just builds on the narrative that Syracuse University is the school that lands big-time recruits and never has them suit up for them. Andre Blatch, Darius Baisley, Dior Johnson. I'm going to be honest with you, Thomas, and to Syracuse fans listening out there, this has become laughable outside of central New York. On the national stage, people, fans, other programs, they're laughing at Syracuse basketball right now because they just think, man, what is Syracuse doing wrong that they can't hold on to these guys? And I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. Honestly, I don't think there is an answer. I think it goes on a case-by-case basis. Uh, Dior Johnson mutually agreeing to part ways with Syracuse. Largely, it seems like, because of academic concerns which you can't really blame Jim Beheim or Jerry McNamara for, but at the same time, you kind of have to slump your shoulders and say, man, only to Syracuse would something like this happen. Well, I think this is something that we're going to see happen more and more often, and not just to Syracuse, of course, Duke, Kansas, UNC, Darius Baisley, I think he left because New Balance handed him a $1 million check and said, if you sign with us, go pro now. Uh, we'll take care of the rest. And he said, yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. Dior Johnson, I think part of it, yes, those there's problems about academics that have been heard. But at the same time, Dior Johnson's a guy who could, we'll see what happens with the G League by 2022. Adam Silver wants to make that a, you know, a, a more viable route instead of college basketball. Of course, he could also go to Europe or go play abroad for a year as well. He's got a lot of options and he's going to be able to make money instead of going to school. And we're going to delve into his options when we come back. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260.
Welcome back into Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Thomas Schultz joined alongside by Brad Klein. And we told you we're going to talk some more Dior Johnson. Of course, that's the storyline today. Maybe Syracuse fans might not be super pleased with it, but obviously he decommitted from the Orange this past week. And I know, Brad, there's a lot of potential avenues he could choose to go to in the future. And we'll discuss those in our next segment as well with Donna Detota, beat writer from Syracuse.com. But look, Dior Johnson, I don't think is going to go to any college, right? Like Syracuse was obviously, he's, you know, he, he's got a lot of relationships with Central New York. He's from here. He uh, played AAU with Buddy Beheim. He's been to a lot of camps outside of the Orange. He was recruited by Alabama, who, like you said during our break, is recruiting everybody in Central New York. Georgia Tech, LSU, Nebraska. I mean, there's really not many Power 5 schools that are recruiting Dior Johnson. And you got to think, yes, maybe that's because of his longtime commitment to Syracuse. But maybe there was some other issues like that report of academic problems as well, where it was a mutual break between Dior and SU. So, Brad, look, we can say, oh, Duke, Kansas, UNC, they might get involved. I think that's pretty unlikely here. More likely scenario is that he makes the jump to professional, whether it's the G League or goes and plays abroad. Yeah, and I think it will be overseas, which, by the way, just for Syracuse fans out there, it's a blessing in disguise. I know that a lot of the fans wanted to see him on the hill in orange, but the consolation there is that, hey, at least he's not wearing a Duke uniform or North Carolina uniform or any other college uniform for that matter. He's probably going to go overseas, and here's why, okay? Because in terms of professional basketball, there are really two outlets. You have the pros in Europe or any other overseas league, and then you have the G League. And my question is, why would any high school recruit right now go to the G League over overseas basketball with LaMelo Ball on the verge of being the number one overall pick and Darius Baisley just a few years ago being lucky to scrape the first round late with the Thunder? Yeah, I I think that's an interesting situation, but I think at the same time, Adam Silver has said, hey, I want to make the G League more of a viable option. By 2022, there'll be a new CBA in the NBA. Maybe he has a case to do that. So I think the G League is actually more viable, and of course you get to stay closer to home, than Europe might actually be for Dior Johnson and more guys like him. Yeah, but the other problem is, I wonder... See, Adam Silver has done a great job with the NBA... I wonder what his vision really is for the G League becoming a viable league that people actually watch and and care about and follow, because I can see that vision actually coming to fruition. I get it. But at the same time, I think he's going about it in the wrong way, because these G League prospects that are signing on the dotted line out of high school, they're not even really playing the other teams. They're in their own developmental bubble and sometimes they play scrimmages against the other G League players. This is not like they're in the league in the standings. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Like you said, though, college just doesn't seem like it's a thing for Dior Johnson. I think, yes, the NBA really needs to change how it goes about playing these guys because I think something that NBA NBA teams want to see is they say, all right, well, I don't want to see Dior Johnson, whoever it may be, play a bunch of other guys his age I want to see him play G League talent and because if he can dominate G League that tells me a lot more about his pro prospects in a year where he will be playing up against guys who are 30 
31, 32, guys who are 27, rather than a bunch of guys who are 19 or 20, and that's going to make a big difference. So it, it really, I don't know if this is a Dior Johnson decision as much as it is an Adam Silver decision and how he changes the G League, but do you think, depending on what the CBA does, how does that affect Dior Johnson? Because I think if this changes where these younger guys are able to just be right in the G League playing everybody, for me, that would seems like that would be enough to push Dior Johnson over the edge to go that direction instead. See, I don't know. I, uh, there's so many variables. And the new CBA, how that unfolds, for Dior Johnson, I think that's too much of a variable, okay? Here's the guarantee. The guarantee is you're a very talented player, and you're going to get paid if you decide to go pro. Now, the question is, how much will you get paid? And what will the avenue really be for you to develop and prepare for the draft? Because we can talk about, oh, well, Darius Baisley made a lot of money, quote-unquote, interning for a shoe company the year before he was drafted, and that's great for him. But at the same time, you have a guy like LaMelo Ball, and I keep on going back to LaMelo Ball and, and Hampton out of the Oceanic Leagues, right? Because it makes sense, because even though they're not making a million dollars in their first year, their only year, playing overseas, at the same time, they're going to be taken high in the draft, and that's when you really cash in. Darius Baisley being taken in the 20s of the first round, it's fine, it's good, but for a guy that was as high of a recruit as Baisley was, honestly, it was a little disappointing, right? So Johnson, I feel, with his aspirations, would be disappointed with a late first-round pick. That means, hey, don't get greedy. Make sure you go with the league that's going to develop you the best. And I, again, just based on precedent, that's the overseas. Yeah, I think you're probably right as of right now. It depends what happens in the next two years, and we can keep circling around that. But I think we've made our cases known there. The thing with Dior Johnson is, look, the overseas, I think we're becoming more stable there. But I still go back to guys. I mean, Emmanuel Moody is a guy who did that. He didn't pan out. Yeah. Um, Brandon Jennings is one of the guys who did pan out, but he was, you know, a, a while ago before we've seen our more recent rise in this, he was a guy who still was like, all right, well, he had aspirations to go in top three, and he didn't, and he had a very solid NBA career, don't get me wrong, but I think Dior Johnson would look at a guy like Brandon Jennings and say, no, that doesn't really cut it for me. I want to do better than that. I want, to, I, I want higher aspirations coming into the draft. Now, maybe if you go to the G League, you give scouts more of an opportunity to see you in person, although that doesn't really seem to be as much of a deterrent as it used to be because, of course, you can see video of every game anyways anyway. So, I don't know. I mean, I think the G League perhaps is... the One of the, one of the pros of the G League is that you are developed by guys who are in close communication with actual teams in the NBA. Now, the other leagues, whether it's uh, the Oceanic League or places in Europe, yes, you're getting developed too, but at the same time, it's a different style of basketball, and you're not having that hands-on attention by guys who are closely unified to teams, and I think that's something that you have to take into account as we see this potential new CBA address that in the future. It'll be very interesting, and again, Dior Johnson deciding not to play for Syracuse, and, and you know, it's really funny because if, if you really thought, okay, well, Dior Johnson cares about exposure he cares about professional connections. Why would you leave a place like Syracuse playing in the ACC against elite competition with other potentially elite players, a Hall of Fame coach? Like, that's the exposure that you're looking for. But obviously, Dior Johnson doesn't really care about that. And maybe, again, maybe the reports are 1,000% true, that 
it was a mutual decision between Syracuse and Johnson, and that Syracuse chose that, decided, hey, we don't want Dior Johnson anymore. And that's a school of thought that I'm sure we'll get to later, Thomas. But at the same time, I just really think Dior Johnson has his mindset on the NBA, and you can't really blame him. Again, we, we have differing opinions on this. The bottom line is, the fact that we're even having this conversation just shows you how, even after a few players have gone down this road, how unprecedented it is and how much of, a, of an uncharted territory this is for Dior Johnson. And this is no joke. This is his career, and this is a lot of money we're talking about. So Johnson is going to take a gamble on one of these roads and we'll see how it works out. That's one of the incentives, by the way, for other premier high school recruits to stay in school, is that we don't really know how it's going to turn out for Johnson and for Jalen Green and for the other high school kids that are deciding to turn pro prematurely. Thomas Schultz joined alongside Brad Klein here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260 all the way up until the 10 o'clock hour. Now, Brad, I think you mentioned it. A lot of it is just very unprecedented right now. We don't really know what to expect from these guys. And we talked to Frank Anselm's high school coach a while back, also the high school coach of Jalen Green. And he said, look, man, this was just the best option for him instead of going to college basketball. Maybe we'll see more of that. And look, Dior Johnson still got a couple of years before he really has to put pen to paper and make a decision. But right now, we're both in agreement. College basketball does not seem like the route he's going to take. Now, maybe something changes, but at the at, right now, it seems like it's either going to be the G League or going abroad. And I think at the same time, either of those options in a couple of years seem like they're going to be good options. There's not one where it's like, oh, this one's terrible, but this one's great. Now, maybe one's better than the other, and I think you're right. Right now, going abroad will be better. We'll see what happens in 2022, a new potential CBA agreement, and that might change a lot of things for a lot of high school recruits. But when we come back, we're going to talk to an expert on Syracuse basketball, Donna Tatota, a beat writer for Syracuse.com. Stick with us. You're listening to Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. Welcome back into Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. Thomas Schultz alongside Brad Klein. And now we're joined by our special guest, Donna Tatota of The Post Standard, one of the premier basketball beat writers at Syracuse.com. Donna, thanks so much for taking some time to join us today. We've got a lot of questions to get to early on about this Syracuse team in general. I know, especially with the Dior Johnson news, that's going to be a big storyline that we'll touch on for sure. But I think we really want to start with, are there any standout freshmen from this team this year? Well, I think the freshman that people are going to probably see play most this year uh, is going to be Kadari Richmond. He's the third guard, um, if you count Alan Griffin as a small forward. And, uh, you know, he played point guard last year at Brewster Academy. He's a big, strong young man, and uh, he has experience playing point guard. Um, and I think he's a guy who's going to play a significant amount of minutes this year. Um, I also think Frank Anselm is going to play uh, a decent this year, too. Um, coaches that I've talked to have raved about him. Uh, they really like him. I have not seen him play because obviously I've not seen anybody play. Um, but I think he's a guy that too will probably see some minutes. I'm not sure about Woody Newton, who I saw in high school, and I thought thinks a really good prospect going forward. He can really shoot the ball. He can put the ball on the floor and score. Uh, but I think he just needs to gain a little bit of weight. And that wing small forward situation is pretty crammed up for Syracuse right now. And we had a chance to go talk to Frank Anselm's high school coach at Prolific Prep a few, maybe even months ago, Thomas. It, it feels like a long time ago 
but Anselm actually played high school ball with Jalen Green, who was the number one prospect in his class and went from high school to the G League, which is apparently a trend that is starting to really blaze for college or rather high school basketball players now. And we've talked about that a little bit. We'll get to that later with you, Donna. But uh, we're talking about Syracuse basketball here, and you really can't do that without the four returning starters, Mark Dolajai, Barama Sidibe, Buddy Beheim, and Joe Girard. Which returning player in your mind is rumored to have the most improved game? Well, I think, you know, the way maybe to phrase it is, which of those guys' improvement is most important? And I would suggest that it's Barama Sidibe. Um, I think the coaches really were encouraged by the way he played at the end of the season last year. And I'm told that he's gotten bigger and stronger. And um, the way he played at the end of the year last year really helped uh, Syracuse. You know, he was good against North Carolina in that game that they won in the ACC tournament. Um, and I think going forward for this team, they need a better presence in this in the middle. They need to to not give away so many fouls in that position. They need to not give away so many good shots at the rim at, at that position. And I think he's probably the most important guy in terms of getting better um, of the returners that that I would anticipate. Thomas Schultz alongside Brad Klein here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. And we're joined by our special guest, Donna DeTota, basketball beat writer at the Post Standard, Syracuse.com. Donna, who's the point guard on the team? It seems like it's going to be Joe Girard, right? Of course, a returning starter. It's going to be Joe Girard, yeah. No Kadari Richmond. Uh, no. It's going to be Joe Girard, right. Is, uh, is Kadari, is he coming off the bench or what's his role early on? I imagine he's going to come off the bench. I mean, you know, if you look at Jim Beheim's teams in the past, it's very, very rare that uh, coming into a new season that a starter gets supplanted by a newcomer. So I would suggest that, you know, all the starters from last year are going to start again this year. Now, I mean, what happened last year, Jalen Carey started early in the season, and then he was quickly supplanted by Joe Girard. So I I think you have to play well once the games start. But I think, you you know, Joe's going to start at point guard. I would be – completely and utterly shocked if that didn't happen. Um, and I think that's, that's, the, that's the case. I mean, I think Kadari's going to play only because he's the third guard and the third guard is going to have to play. Wow, Donna, I don't even think you hesitated there. I don't even know if Thomas finished the question. You were just like, oh yeah, it's, it's Joe Girard. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of Syracuse fans are thinking, hey, maybe it is Kadari Richmond just because you talk about Bayheim's tendencies in terms of lineup management. And yeah, I get it. Starters don't typically get supplanted when they return, but at the same time, starting point guards don't typically look like Joe Girard. They're typically a lot longer. They actually look more like Kadari Richmond when you think about the Michael Carter Williamses of the world and even the Frank Howards that are a little longer, six five, six six. Those actually two threes that have molded into the one at the top of the zone. But I want to talk about the other big guys and then the actual bigs. What are fair expectations for Barama Sidibe, Mark Dolajai, Jesse Edwards, Frank Ganslam, John Bolajak? Such a crowded lineup down low. Who's going to play? How much are they going to play? And how does Jim Beheim really find the optimal role for all of them? I mean, I'm, I'm just certainly just speculating about all this, but I imagine that Barama is going to start. I imagine, I don't, I don't think that's under, out, of, out, of, out, of, out of question either. I think he's going to start. I think Frank is probably going to get the next biggest amount of minutes at center. Uh, and I think Marek is going to play a little bit 
of center. I mean, what he gives them at center is uh, a different look offensively. He can do so many things. He's so versatile from the offensive standpoint, and he's gotten a little bit bigger. I mean, everybody that I've talked to has said he's gained 20 pounds or so, which will help him defensively in the middle. Um, so I think those three guys are going to be the three guys who are going to play, you know, significantly at center. Um, you know, I know Marek would prefer to play power forward, and I put power, say power forward in, in uh, quotation marks. Um, and I think he's going to play a lot at the four, you know. But they, they're, they're going to have to figure out how to get Marek, Quincy, and Alan Griffin playing time on that back line. And so one of the things they could, could do is move Marek to the middle um, at, at times. Donna Detota joins us here on Phase Radio. She's, of course, Syracuse basketball beat writer for the Post Standard. Donna, one of the biggest critiques of Syracuse basketball this coming season and in the past few years is a lack of playmakers. And now, of course, they don't have Elijah Hughes. We'll see where he goes in the draft pretty soon. But how did the Orange make up for his loss? And is it all on the shoulders of a guy like Alan Griffin? Well, from what I've been told, Alan, that's a game, part of uh, Alan's game that he's still working on. He's not th as good with the ball as Elijah was last year. Um, you know, that is a, a concern. And I think that's something that they also lacked last year. You know, they, I think Elijah was pretty good at it. But I think Joe needs to get to the rim a little bit better this year. Um, I think a lot of guys have to figure out how to put it on the floor and get to the rim. If for no other reason than they need to get to the line. I think it's going to be a really good free throw shooting team. and. And, um, you know, the more they try to penetrate and either get a shot or get somebody else a shot or get fouled, I think the better it will be. I mean, I think this is going to be a pretty perimeter-oriented team, just judging by the way they played last year and judging by who they uh, have back. But I think playmakers um, is going to be an area that they may not be all that good at and, and may just get better at as the season progresses. Don, I want to ask you about uh, the player that seems to be known as Mr. Misfit on the Hill right now, and that's Robert Braswell, who came in with some moderate expectations as a three-star recruit, already used his red shirt. There were transfer rumors last year. Now he's going to stay because of that close relationship with the assistant coach, Alan Griffin. What's his role on this team? Does he even find the floor? Well, everybody that I've talked to about Robert Braswell says he's played great this during the practices. Everybody I've talked to, not a single coach has said to me, you know, he, he hasn't played well. And also everybody has said, um, he, you know, his shins are sore, but he's playing through it. He hasn't missed any practice time. You know, it's a really crowded area that he's trying to break in and get some, some minutes on. Um, you know, the forward spots are filled with guys who have experience and who are pretty good. So it's going to be, I think, hard for him to get to see a lot of minutes. But, you know, I think he can, he's a good athlete. I mean, I think people don't understand how good of an athlete he is. He can jump. He was his state high school high jump champion um you know he's a good athlete i think he's people have told me that he's rebounded the ball really well in practice um he can shoot the ball uh you know i just i don't knowing how what i do about the rotations that jim Beheim has used over the years i'm not sure how many minutes he'll get but it's going to be up to him when he gets those minutes to do something with them and i think he can help them i mean i've always been a guy who thinks who's thought robert's pretty good you know um, and I just think he's in a spot in a position where a lot of guys in that spot are pretty good. So he has to be able to give them something else. I mean, if he can shoot the ball, um, you know, he's a good three point shooter. And if he can shoot the ball, he's going to play. And speaking of that forward spot, there's another guy coming to campus pretty soon. Who's also very good. That would be Benny Williams, uh, top 35 recruit in the 2021 class. 
he's the only recruit in the class right now for Syracuse. And what does he bring to the Orange once he finally arrives on campus? Well, everybody just tells me he's super versatile. He can do a lot of things. He can shoot it. He can put it on the floor. He can defend. He can block shots. He can rebound. Uh, I mean, I haven't heard one bad thing about him. And the thing about him that's so intriguing is that, you know, when Syracuse started recruiting him, he was a pretty unknown guy because he had had this incredible growth spurt where he went from being like 5'9 to 6'5 in like 11 months or something crazy like that. So like nobody really knew too much about him. Um, he, you know, he, he played JV basketball at, as a sophomore in high school. So he had this amazing growth spurt and then his skills had to sort of catch up with his growing body. And I think um, from what everybody's told me about him, that his best days are ahead of him. You know, he's, he's 6'9-ish, he's close to being 6'9 and he's got, he's got some guard skills. Uh, you know, I think he's a really, really good get for the program. And But he, again, he's going to come into a situation next year at Syracuse where there's going to be a lot of forwards. All right, Donna, here it comes. The, the medicine for all Syracuse fans out there. We were talking about this before you joined the program. Dior Johnson, decommits from Syracuse. He would have been the biggest recruit for the Orange since Mello uh, back in 2002. What does his decommitment mean for Syracuse basketball for the class of 2022? Well, I mean, I, you know, as much as I hate, I hate to say it, but I mean, I don't think they lost Dior as much as they never really had Dior. I mean, I don't, I don't think um, a whole lot of people believe that Dior would ever end up at Syracuse. I'm one of those people. Um, I didn't think he would ever, he would ever play a minute for Syracuse. I just think, um, you know, the way his high school career has gone, the way his, uh, the potential for him to play pro basketball, you know, he's now pretty far behind school-wise. You know, he's he's gone to a bunch of different schools and high schools, and you have to uh, qualify. You mean you have to take a certain number of core courses, and all that had to happen. So I think the best thing, honestly, that had happened was his decommitment. You, you know, Syracuse can now say to other recruits, you know, if you, you know, that they, they need a point guard and here's what they can say to them is that, you know, you're no longer going to be competing with Dior Johnson. Now, I mean, it sounds ridiculous when you think about it because the kid is obviously a really talented kid, but I just don't know if he'll ever play a minute of college basketball. And so now you're sort of him being in the program, um, so to speak for as many months as he was sort of distract was sort of a distraction to try to, to try to get other guys who might be willing to come here or might want to come here, but might be sort of afraid of the whole Dior Johnson, um, you know, phenomenon, for lack of a better word. So it seems like you don't think that Dior Johnson decommitting has much of an impact on a guy like maybe Chance Westry coming to SU. Well, I don't know. There's always that, you know, you just never know with, with players. You never know whether or not um, what the relationships are with these guys and whether or not they've talked about, uh, coming to as a pa package, whatever it is. But it's been my experience with all these years of covering sports is guys always say like, uh, you know, I'm going to package, I'm going to come, we're, we're coming as a package. We're going to, I like this guy. I want to play with this guy. I'm coming. And that rarely happens. So, um, you know, kids come to school, schools to play where they think that they can play a lot, where they think that they're going to be seen by a lot of people play and where they think that they can make it to the next level which is to the NBA that's why guys choose certain programs why they choose the programs that they do and they also do because you know the relationships they have with with uh, whoever recruited them um so I you know it remains to be seen who knows what kind of impact I do think that Dior at you know his commitment to Syracuse did sort of open the eyes of certain other high profile recruits to say oh Dior's going to Syracuse maybe I should think about Syracuse um but at the end of the day I just don't think he was ever going get, to get here I just don't 
And so I think it's good that 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 sort of era is over and let's everybody move along. Like let, let Dior move on with his life. Let Syracuse move on with the way it's recruiting for that class. Well, maybe it's not all bad for Syracuse fans. Thanks. That's Donna DeToda joining us from Syracuse.com on Fizz Radio. And when we come back, we're going to get into your questions. It's Fizz Feedback. Stick with us. You're listening to Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. Welcome back into Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. Thomas Schultz alongside Brad Klein. And now, after some insight from Donna DeToda, it's time for your favorite segment, Fizz Feedback. We're going to get to all of your questions. Brad, what's our first Fizz Feedback for today? Well, now that Dior Johnson has decommitted from the class of 2022, how do you rate SU's recruiting? It's either terrible, below average, good as they can do, or elite. And let me tell you, Thomas, good as they can do won pretty comfortably 54.5%. But that's interesting. I voted below average. It's hard to say terrible, right? Because you bring in a guy like Benny Williams for the class of 2021, and I understand that you don't have anyone slated for 2022, but you still have some time there. I really disagree with the 7% that say terrible at the same time. For the 3.5% that say elite, what are you thinking? It's elite? I would say Duke and Kentucky are elite. Syracuse are not in that stratosphere. Yes, I 100% agree with you, Brad. 10% of the fans saying either terrible or elite, it's somewhere in between, man. Like, I understand maybe you're not very happy about Dior Johnson decommitting. That's understandable. Elite, how badly, how how tough do you think it is to recruit to Syracuse, one of the huh. blue blood programs in college basketball? Brett, I- I'm going to go a little bit higher than uh, below average. I think they're doing as good as they can do, right? Like, this isn't Duke. This isn't Kansas. Central New York isn't always the easiest place to recruit to, especially at a, at a school where you don't have the funds that a UNC has, that a Duke has, that a Kentucky has. So I think Jim Beheim and his staff are doing a good job. We have seen a drop-off since Mike Hopkins left, but overall, they're doing pretty good, as good as they can do. It's not elite, and it definitely isn't terrible. I don't know, Thomas. It's hard to sell me on Syracuse is doing the best they can do when they couldn't even hold on to Dior Johnson a kid who got his start in Socrates in the shadow of Syracuse, New York. That's neither here nor there. Let's talk about the guys that are actually on the hill. Who needs to take the biggest step up in 2020-2021 for Syracuse basketball? And uh, I, we have four options here, and I actually mentioned, if it's none of the above, comment below. That one comment, by the way, Joe Biden. So we'll see how <laughs> Joey B does on the hardwood this year. It's either Baramas Adibe, Marek Dolezal, Buddy Beheim or Joe Girard III, and we mentioned that Donna DeToda actually mentioned that she thinks it's Barama Sidibe. I agree with her, but I, I gotta tell you, Joe Girard III, he wins at 43%, and I wonder if that's more of a hometown bias with him as a local kid, but really, I don't think it's Joe Girard, because between Bayheim and Richmond, I actually think Syracuse is pretty comfortable at the guard position. Well, I think they're comfortable there, but we remember from last season, Joe Girard, he took a lot of shots that he just shouldn't have taken. He was still in that shooting guard mentality, but playing the point guard where he needs to be more of a facilitator, and he just wasn't. And at the same time, Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim both really need to improve up top at the top of the zone because they were abysmal last year. They didn't stop anybody trying to get around the free throw line and of course we've seen if you get to the free throw line and set up your offense there against Syracuse you're going to be able to pass it anywhere you want around the 2-3 zone 
I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction here. I think this is a guy that I'm going to pick, Merrick Dolezal, who really had a tremendous year in regards to last year compared to his first two seasons. I think there's another step for him in his senior year. He's a captain on this team. He's a veteran alongside Barama Sidibe. Yes, Sidibe needs to make a lot of strides, but Merrick Dolezal is a guy who could still make a lot of strides, and I think he's more likely to do so. I think what we saw at the end of the season from Barama Sidibe is Pretty good. If you can get that every game, you know, 15 and 7 or 8 boards, that's fantastic. Merrick Dolezal, if you can get 18 and 9 a game, 18 and 8 consistently, this becomes a team that's not an average ACC team. This is a team that, you know, is a very above average team setting this team up well in the future when those two guys graduate. You can't forget about Quincy Guerrier either coming off the bench with an even bigger role than he had last year. He'll be an important player for Syracuse, too. Let's not forget, Thomas, it's also football season. So which freshman or redshirt freshman is most exciting for the future of Syracuse football? Because let's be honest, the Orange are 1-7, so we're thinking about the future right now. Sean Tucker, Garrett Williams, Jacoby and Morgan, or Rob Hanna? I'm going with Sean Tucker, just like Fizz Nation here. Nearly 48% of the vote. Look, Sean Tucker, first of all, just the offensive players are going to get that inherent bias because offense is sexier than defense. Garrett Williams is having one heck of a year, but Tucker has shown a nose for the running back position, a certain maturity that you really don't expect just based on his young status. The fact that he's a true freshman, he does not run like one. And Garrett Williams, look, I understand he's supposed to be very good for Syracuse, but I'm not going to forget that he already had a year in the program to learn the system I understand it was a different defense, but to get accustomed to the college game, that's something that Sean Tucker did not have, and he hasn't missed a beat. Before I give my answer, Brad, I am shocked that Jacoby and Morgan beat out Garrett Williams for that second spot on this list, 26.4% to 25.3%. You would think that Justin Lampson, a highly touted recruit coming in, and you can check out our conversation with his head coach, Eric Cavalier, um, on Fizz, uh, Orange Fizz, excuse me, under our podcast. I, that one's surprising to me. I know Jacoby Morgan has shown a lot of really good things in his one game, one start at Syracuse, and then, of course, garbage time the week before that. I, I like Sean Tucker. I think he's going to be the star running back, and I think this offense is going to need a star running back because there's not a quarterback on this roster, and I'm not sure there's going to be a quarterback on this roster in the next couple of seasons that can do it on their own and, you know, find their wide receivers, find their tight ends, which we haven't seen this year. Sean Tucker's a guy that you need in that backfield, and he's an absolute bowling ball back there. I think it's going to be Garrett Williams, honestly, because we've seen what Nick Monroe has been able to do with talented secondaries in the past. Andre Sisko, Trill Williams, both declared for the NFL draft this year. Ify Melifonwu. To me, Garrett Williams is just that next guy up for this Syracuse secondary, which is becoming something of a top DB school in the nation, which I don't think anybody saw coming with Dino Babers, of course, an offensive mind coming into the program in 2016. Everybody thought this would be an offensive-minded school, but Nick Monroe has really provided a bright spot on defense. But that'll just about do it for us here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. For Brad Klein, I'm Thomas Schultz. You can find all of our stuff at orangefizz.net, articles, podcasts, which are also at SoundCloud at Orange Fizz. But for now, signing off, we'll see you next time, next Saturday on the score from 9 to 10 a.m.